0: Welcome to the 5Rs Podcast. I am George Cagle, joined by Scotty Jinks. Hi there. And the Holy Spirit.
1: <laughs> That's, right.
0: That's right. I stole uh, Scotty's joke, actually. He he made that joke earlier, but anyway. <laughs> but yeah, no guest speaker tonight, just me and Scotty uh, radically reflecting on uh, on God's Word after reading it rightly, of course, as members of Redeemer Church.
1: Oh, I think I just understood the title. Yeah, (laughs) it all came together now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, uh, well, tonight we're going to be talking about Isaiah 41 and 42, right? That is correct.
0: Which kind of, you know, I guess you could say they, they continue on from chapter 40, Right, chapter forty, uh, we talked about last week. Such a great chapter about God putting His godness on display, and how you can now He's trustworthy, you know, and and you can be comforted in reflecting on who He is. But then, right, chapter forty-one, then in like I would say, especially chapter forty-two, right? They they continue to uh, emphasize the power the might, the salvation of the Lord and our helplessness, right? that We actually need the Lord to save us. That's true. And I do believe like chapter 42 is, you know, like there's four chapters, I believe, uh, I, I, I could be wrong, but I think it's, it's chapters 42, 49, 50 and 53, that are kind of considered like these are 100 percent about the Messiah, you know, in Isaiah, like the the, the or like the songs of the servant, I believe is what, what they were called. Right. Yeah. Uh, so here in chapter 42 today, we're gonna read about the servant of the Lord, right? Uh, who we'll see is the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So right. there cool. were
1: there were a lot of uh, prophecies that were. Essentially, they they get fulfilled in a small way, and then they get fulfilled in a big way in Jesus. And but then some some chapters like forty two, you look at it, and you'd say, "There's no small way. There's no immediate fulfillment." This is Jesus. Yep. Right. Well, so uh, let me launch you into my first impressions then, and just tell you. So Isaiah forty one, uh, the Lord uh, basically sets out as if he's in a trial, right? And he says he gives uh the defense an opportunity to examine him mm-hmm. um, then uh he turns around to uh cross examine them if I understand legal terminology um, and then uh, afterwards uh this was a difficult um couple of chapters uh for me because the perspective keeps changing, and you say you right. know he's um he's saying." bad things for uh for idol worshipers and then he's saying good things for uh the people of israel and then he talks about uh christ uh before moving back into um condemning idol worship and then eventually he sort of um uh chastises israel as well and so uh there's there's a a bit of back and forth um especially listening to the chapters um like I did uh, this afternoon, um, you know, listening to it being read aloud by the CSB app. Um, you know, there were <laughs> uh, each uh, each you know uh, snippet. I had to stop and think. You know, who is he speaking to here?
0: Right, and there's also yeah, because there's there's really two servants, right, mentioned in uh, in chapter 42, right? There's a heavy emphasis on the servant Christ. But also at the end, he starts talking about, you know, his servant who is failing him. And this is, you know, supposed to be the nation of Israel. Um, But yeah, we'll get more into that. But yeah, like when I first read that, I was like, wait a second. This is not the same. this can't be this can't be Jesus that the Lord is rebuking here. So there's got to be
1: another servant. Right. But then you look back at the the first section about the servant. And you'll be like, well, this obviously can't be Israel, you know. Right. Something's got to give here. So.
0: yeah. Um, yeah, and so yeah, same same thing as far as first impressions. Th- it's a these are two humbling chapters, right? As as they should. Any any good passage, or I guess you could say any passage of the Bible, you know, if you. Read it correctly should humble you, and should uh, make much of the Lord and 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 the Messiah Jesus. And but I guess I, I could say you know that forty one and forty two there it's some some chapters are easier than others at uh at humbling somebody and and exalting the Lord, and these uh, chapters definitely do a good job of it. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, jump right in, starting in chapter 41. Uh, I guess, you know, we can start at um, just with verse one, right? Yeah, God is now, as you said, he's starting to make the case, right? He's making a case for his mightiness, his trustworthiness, as opposed to our idols, right? And he says, listen to me in silence, O coastlands, and let the people... Peoples renew their strength, let them approach, then let them speak. Then let us draw to get or let us together draw near for judgment. So, yeah, right. The coastlands are the distant nations, the heathen nations that that worship idols. Uh, and yeah, he's. I mean, hey, come approach and give your case. And then, yeah, like that last phrase, you know, it says, let us together draw near for judgment. Of course, whose judgment it's going to be, it's well. It's not going to be judgment on the Lord. He's the judge, and he's the one that's righteous and perfect. So it's almost as if he's saying, come, speak, give your case, as if it's actually going to matter. <laughs> right. And then, right, we have, uh, I guess we can look at verses 2 through 4. Uh, so he starts, right, Who stirred up one from the east whom victory meets at every step? And, you know, and then uh, there's the description of kind of this conqueror, right? Um, And he's asking, right, like in verse four, who has performed and done this? And he answers the question, right? I, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he. And so you can say one of the things, so in this section, right, two through four, The Lord is, through Isaiah, is prophesying, right, uh, the future. Uh, And even, like, it's like a a perfect past tense, right? Who stirred up uh, one from the east, like as if it's already happened. And, you know, uh, so really the Lord right here is making his case that he's trustworthy because he's like, I can tell you the future. I can tell you the future because I decreed it already. It's as if it's already happened to me. Right? I've already performed and done this, according to verse four. Um, And of course, we'll see, idols can't do that. Um, Yeah, he rubs it in their face uh, later. Right, right. So, but Scotty, why don't you tell us uh, who is the Lord, you know, telling us about here through
1: Isaiah? Well, he's talking about Cyrus, isn't he? Yes. Perfect. I, agree. I was, uh, uh, I panicked for a second there because <laughs> I I knew um, that he had, had talked about him, but I know that at, at some point mentioned by name, and this wasn't right. the section where he where he said his name.
0: So it, it's still kind of a vague. Yeah, right now it's still kind of a vague. I'll tell you a little bit about him here, um, but yeah, right because uh, right it, it's he. This person is coming from the East. They're victorious, right? Because they're God's tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and And as we see, right, the these folks, these other nations are going to be fearful of the Persians. Uh, I think later on in the chapter, it describes the the Persians also coming from the north, and we'll talk more about that in a minute, right. Uh, but yeah, right. Persians and Medes—they came from the east, from you know present-day Iran. Um, so we can, uh, I think, safely assume that that's what the Lord's talking about here, especially in light of yeah later prophecies, right? In uh, in Isaiah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think uh, I just wanted to bring up that uh, Isaiah, of course, wasn't you know written in one sitting, and so this section is, from what I understand, is you know it's written to. Um, to Babylonian captives, right? Like the the audience here is people who are already in uh, captivity. And so... uh, Which even
0: then is like a hundred years or so, right? Before Isaiah... Or excuse me, a hundred... It's a hundred years or so after Isaiah's writing this too. Mm -hmm. Let me pull that up real quick. I've got it here in my notes. Romans 4...
1: Wow, that page-turning sound effect you're using is very convincing. (laughs) Um,
0: But basically, uh, you know, Romans 4 talks about Abraham and how Abraham is justified, you know, uh, and, and counted righteous through faith. But it also says. I'm gonna have to edit this out.
1: <laughs> Happens to the best of us.
0: Yep. Thank you. <laughs> ah, found it. Okay, let me say this part over. So um in Romans 4 but yeah I think just this this section right here the lord is making a case like I'm independent of history I actually control history and so that's you know here's here's a perfect example of my might right He's Brother. he's sovereign over every
1: individual nation generation he controls it all uh, they're playing checkers while the Lord is playing chess,
0: right? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so then uh, we look at verses five through seven. Uh, but basically, right, this section is talking about other nations are afraid and they start to look to their own works to try and help them, right? There's no, like verse six, everyone helps his neighbor and says to his brother, be strong. There's no repentance, right? They're not saying, oh, we should turn to the God of the Israelites or to, to Yahweh to, to, help us, you know, uh, there's, there's no repentance. Instead it's an encouragement to continue in the idol worship, right? They, they start to build more idols. And, and one other thing from, from this section, I know is in verse seven, the craftsman, you know, is hammering together the anvil uh, or on the anvil and in uh, near the end of verse seven, saying of the uh, of the soldering, it is good. So it's just like the idol itself has to pass inspection by the guy making it. You know, it, it's yeah, it just it's just a it's just a um, I guess a revelation or whatever of just how foolish idolatry is when we worship the created things instead of the creator.
1: All right, yeah. The, the irony is like the Lord created everything and then said it is good. And now you have somebody creating something um, and saying it is good. Only the person doesn't believe himself to be God. He believes the thing that he created is God. And mm-hmm. so in that way it's almost like a funhouse mirror saying, you know, how, how badly can we twist the idea of creation here? Mm-hmm. Um, but then you know uh, verse six you mentioned this this little catchphrase they're given to each other saying take courage you know and how how that lacks repentance and it's just ask, it's just telling them to do uh, to do something and the modern day equivalent is people telling each other to do better right every time uh, the like uh, every time on social media somebody uh, calls someone out for not being inclusive enough or for not Not doing this thing that we're supposed to be doing, they're not doing it enough, and then they typically will end it uh, in sort of a backhanded way by saying, "Do better," you know, like Mm. we we expect better of you, and then saying, uh, "It doesn't matter what the source of your power is; it doesn't matter if you repent of having done it in the first place." Um, But what we call you to is to do better, you know, Um, muster it up, uh, pull yourself up, and make it happen.
0: Right. It's, it's, it's like a doubling down, you know, you like, or like, you know, when you think about somebody who makes, for example, um, the pursuit of money is their idol, right? Whether it's becoming rich or just like, oh, I need this house and then I'll be happier or oh, I need this job and then I'll truly be happy and know that I'm valuable and they get it. And then they're like, nope, I'm still not satisfied you know i need to keep going i need to yeah uh uh double down keep pursuing this idol
1: well you know i was just going to say that you know somebody with that particular idol would say you know you you've, you've got to get that paper right you've got to you got to hustle and um which again is just telling you that you need to work harder they yeah. say you know uh man it really stinks that you failed but what you really ought to do is give it even more
0: yeah right so then uh, let's look at verses 8 through 10, because now there's a contrast, right, uh, between Israel and these nations from the previous verses, right? Because now in verse 8, the Lord is addressing Israel. He says, but you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend. Um, so he is choosing, right? says here, I've, I've, I've chosen, mm-hmm. He chooses to show grace to his people, um, and but you know right, it's not because of anything we've earned. It's unconditionally, you know right. It's it's elected, and um, and then he says right, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, um, and that uh, I do want to reference Romans four. It talks about Abraham and how he is justified and declared righteous because of faith, right? The faith that he has in God. And it also refers to the offspring of Abraham. And it's, you're an offspring of Abraham if you share the, right? So So even though though here in Isaiah 41, right, the offspring of Abraham is the Israelites, in the new covenant through Jesus, that now applies to Gentiles as well, to you, to you and me. So it's important then as we read this, right, that it, th- this declaration of, uh, of God's servant and, and that he has chosen you, that this now under the new covenant, right, is, is applied to us as well.
1: Uh, are you familiar with the song "I Am a Friend of God"?
0: I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. That's right, that one. I know that part. I remember that part. Isn't that from the nineties?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, I didn't hear it in the nineties. <laughs> I don't think. But uh, the the irony is that the the song. You know, a lot of people complained that it was too like man centered, but if you listen to the verses, they're actually incredibly Godward, right? Um, uh, who am I that you are mindful of me? Uh, and so they're they're talking about you know the the frailty of the human frame and the miracle that the Lord cares at all. Mm-hmm. But uh, but then um, so uh, verse nine he says, I brought you from the ends of the earth and called you from its farthest corners. I said to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you. I haven't rejected you. And if that's not the best news in the world, uh, like because right here he's he's talking about Israel. And like you uh, mentioned, you know, Israel expanded to include, you know, us. And that means that the Lord has chosen us and he hasn't rejected us. Um, and, you know, I never get picked for anything, you know, but the the ultimate decision maker, the most important uh, being uh, picked me uh, for his team. And, uh, and I'm super grateful.
0: Right. And it's, it's a resolute action by God. Right. I took from the ends of the earth. And then, yeah, verse ten, verse ten. Uh, you know, you've seen probably on like a coffee mug and stuff, uh, t-shirt, right? Uh, Isaiah forty-one ten. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Um, and you know, first off, contrast that. Verse with verse 5 of chapter 41. The people who don't follow God, they are going to tremble, right? And be afraid, right? But now, here, you know, God's people don't need to be afraid, right? Uh, I don't need to fear anything for Yahweh is, you know my Adonai, my Sovereign One, and He's going to strengthen and, and uphold me. But again, as we see from verses 8 and 9, right, he, simply because He's gracious and He chose to save me.
1: So do you think this reference to His uh, righteous right hand, is that Jesus?
0: Uh, it, it may very well. Like, I've, you know, we've seen in, in references in Isaiah and other books of the Bible, right, that the hand of God right, refers to his power mm-hmm. and his might, but it is Jesus, you know, Jesus himself, the son of God is, is the word, right? So, uh, God, or, you know, I guess as, as, a, you know, as Jesus is a member of the Trinity, uh, it, it seems, yeah, the son of God is the one that acts, when when the father says this is gonna be done. So uh yeah. I would say so. I would say that this is a Trinity alert too.
1: Ooh. Although technically we could put a Trinity alert at the beginning when we announced our co host was the Holy Spirit. We uh <laughs> Uh but I think it's important to point out, you know, that uh he the Lord says he will hold on to us. Um, right. Like him, him causing us to stand, and uh, and that's a call for the you know the preservation of the saints, right? That mm-hmm. uh, once God is uh, holding you, once He gets his 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 mitts on you, um, He is not letting go. Uh, and so we can uh, wiggle as much as we want. We can um, try as much as we want, but um, uh, unless unless we're able to prove um, that that he never held us in the first place, uh, then, then his grip holds tight and we're going to be, we're going to be held up, um, forever. you know?
0: Mm. -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, let's go ahead and look at verses 11 through 16. Um, because kind of the, the theme from this, these verses, it's, it's sort of, you know, you, It's like the Lord is saying, take comfort in me because I control the future and it's a good place for you, right? I'm going to bring you through it. God's going to accomplish justice so I can boldly serve him, right? Evil will be subdued. Uh, And again, yeah, like verse 13, as you said, holding your hand. You know, this is like a father comforting his child, right? I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to help you through it. I'm going to make sure you don't stumble. And then verse 14. Yeah, it says, fear not, you worm, Jacob, you men of Israel. And, I, you know, when I read this, it's like, uh, you know, when I think of a worm, I think of something that's kind of pathetic. <laughs> you know, hmm. down there in the dirt, just wiggling around. Hmm. The only thing I use it for is to catch fish with, you know, Uh, although I guess they do serve a purpose in the environment. But but I think what they're saying here, right, is, you know, you're a worm, you're lowly, you're in in a very pathetic and sad plight. Right. And and in verse 14, right, it says, "I, I am the one who helps you. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. So. There's no holiness or worth that I can call my own, but instead, it's the Lord, the Holy God, who stoops to deliver us.
1: That's right. Yeah, I think about the the worm uh, being the lowest on the food chain because this eats this eats this, which eats worms. Uh, but what does a worm eat? You know what what is that, What is there that fears the worm? Uh, I guess they I guess they eat dirt. I mean, I'm no science major, yeah. but uh, uh, it's, it's important to keep that in mind later that like, uh, saying, saying all these uh, positive declarations does uh, call Jacob a, a worm, you know, that that's uh, his idea of our uh, strength on our own. Uh, yeah. But he continues, to, uh, he continues to pour on the favor. He says, I'll help you. This is the Lord's declaration. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. Um, and so it's, it's not that bad being a worm.
0: Yep. Especially if, uh, yeah, if the Lord is on your side, which again, verse 16 ends with, and you shall rejoice in the Lord and the Holy one of Israel, you shall glory because right. He gets all the credit. This mm-hmm. is all about the Lord and what he has done. Uh, so now verses 17 through 20, right? So there's talk about the poor and the needy seeking water and their tongue is parched with thirst. I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. Um, Right? This reminds me of the Beatitudes, right? The poor in spirit, the ones who thirst for God, um, and God will will answer that. He will provide... Right this these rivers, these fountains, you know that water provides life. So this can be you know this is a kind of a metaphor for eternal life, for salvation, right from the Lord, but he's going to provide for us in our neediness and, and brokenness. And we're going to know it's from him, right when, uh, when he does it.
1: That's right. Uh, I kept thinking about uh, the song uh, "Graves into Gardens" uh, because the Lord keeps using these, you know, uh, these ideas of, um, you know, I'm going to open a river on the barren heights, springs in the middle of the plains. I'll turn the dead pool and dry land into springs. And He's not talking about a mirage. You know, He's He's really going to do it, and He's going to upset everything that you expect, um, and He is going to make uh, everything that uh, used to cause uh, suffering and lack uh, into just overflowing, you know, the the idea of water as uh, something you need for life. Um, and then, like you mentioned, the Beatitudes, right? You, uh, how Christ calls himself uh, the living water. And so we know, he even talks in verse 19, he says, I'll plant uh, cedars, acacias, myrtles, and olive trees in the wilderness – i'm going to put uh ju- juniper trees elms, cypress trees together in the desert and uh so he's talking about uh, built forests right um mm-hmm. uh, he's talking about having them uh spring out of uh, out of nowhere um and so in another sense he's also taking you know all these nations that we heard about throughout the book of isaiah he's taking their um their exports right like we know uh lebanon you know their their trees um, and and he says, "Listen, I'm going to make them sprout in the desert." Um, earlier when he talked about all those coastal cities, you know, he's talking about like uh, Tyre and, and Sidon, right? The shipping, you know, merchants, and uh, and here, you know, he's saying, uh, "I can provide what everyone else provides." Uh, all these people he keeps mentioning who are serving these idols. Doing it for some practical benefit, they believe that it's going to give them good weather. They believe that uh, serving Baal is going to give them rain for their crops. And then the Lord uh, reminds us that He's the one who's in charge. He's the one who gives, and He's the one who who takes away.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and then finally, with with verse twenty, right, it tells us why He does it. Right, why. Uh, why God will accomplish the salvation of of, uh, the elect. And it's that they may see and know, may consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created it, right? It's so that men will actually know and understand who Yahweh is. So that brings us to this next part, right? Verses 21 through 29 in which God now goes, all right, idols, you're up. <laughs> and, you know, he, he, he challenges the idols basically, right, to do what he has done, right? Idol, all the idol worshipers are asked to, yeah, as, as you said, right, to plead their case. Uh, verse 22, let them bring them, and tell us what is to happen, right? He's telling the idols, all right, now you prophesy. He's not even asking the idols to control the future, which God already shows that he does. He's like, at, at least tell us what is going to happen. Uh, and I, even like, like verse 23, tell us what's to come hereafter that we may know that you are God. He goes, do harm or do good. Right. He's 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 telling that I was just do something, do anything. And of course, right. Verse 24, behold, you are nothing. So first off, idols can't accomplish any of the things we need or hope for. And if you choose idols over God, you're not merely being foolish. Right. The Lord is also saying you're you're also wicked and despicable.
1: Yeah, the CSB uses the word detestable, like it's gross.
0: And then in verse 25, the Lord actually returns to his own prophecy. He's like, I'm going to go ahead and prophesy again, right? Which, uh, you know, I kind of, there's, so people in today's culture, right? A lot of them will say, how can we be sure Jesus is God, right? And that he's the only way to God. And one thing that I think a lot of people don't, uh, resort to as far as defending their faith is just the thousands of fulfilled prophecies in the Bible. Right. Like over 500, there's over 500 prophecies about Jesus. And here's, you know, Isaiah 41, a great example of a prophecy about Cyrus coming. Right. And so here it talks about, I stirred up one from the North. Um, and, you know, if you think about like from, for Israel, if you are back then, you know the the invasions into Israel will come from the north, right? They come over and down, like the Mediterranean coast, and and into um, and into Israel,
1: right? The, he makes a a big point of him coming from the east as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Marches over rulers as if they're in mud, like a potter who treads the clay. Um and so uh everyone knows everyone's going to know when he comes uh whose name he comes uh in right that the the Lord is taking credit for sending him um before he even uh gets there, and now uh like you said he's he's giving them hope to look forward to right
0: yeah, it even says right, I give to Jerusalem a herald of good news uh because the Persian Empire was good news for uh, the people of Israel because that was that signaled the end of the Babylonian exile. Then, right, verses twenty-eight and twenty-nine again, just a, uh, a declaration against idols that they can't prophesy;
1: no, they have nothing to say. Right,
0: and now that brings us to chapter forty-two. Where now we have a prophecy or a song about the servant. In this case, right, it's going to be the Messiah, the servant who will succeed where Israel has failed and where I fail. And, all right, a couple things in this first verse uh, I've noticed is that first off, the word behold. Right, so it's an unveiling of something not known before. I'm now going to, you know, start to tell you about the Messiah, uh, the Lord's servant. But it says, right, it says, in whom my soul delights. So the so Yahweh, you know, delights in this servant, and that reminds me of Mark one eleven, where the Lord, you know, declares about Jesus, "This is my Son, in whom." I am well,
1: well pleased.
0: And then also, right, it says, I have put my spirit upon him. He did. He will bring forth justice to the nation. So, right, the son, as we know, did nothing except God's will. And he did it by the spirit's power. So verse chapter 42, verse one, Trinity alert. All three (laughs) members. That's right. But then, yeah, in verse 2, right, verses 2 through 4 are, are yeah, kind of a description of, of Jesus and his ministry when he's on earth, right? He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. He's uh, And then a bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlands wait for his law. Um, I really like verse three,
1: right? That uh, talking about his uh, gentleness, his attentiveness. Um, that there, there's nothing that escapes his uh, his notice and his care.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. When you think about like
1: a burning wick, it's.
0: Uh, you know, you think about like, like this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And, and you have, you know, like, let your, your faith is like a, a burning torch and, you know, that kind of stuff. But here it's faintly burning, right? It's, these are people who are close to losing faith and hope They're, uh Right. Their faith is, is one that is weak. And yet the Lord is, You know, Jesus is not going to reject that. He's not going to snuff them out. Your faith is not strong enough, right? Instead, He repairs people, He strengthens them and strengthens our faith, right? Uh, The weary and broken, this bruised reed, He's not going to break it or destroy it. He's going to be gentle uh, towards us, which is great because we are all, you know, we all, at least from time to time, can be described as a broken reed or a bruised reed, excuse me, or, a, or a, a burning wick. Right. And and we can tell that this is the Messiah because, right, he's going to faithfully bring forth justice because uh, every nation, every government is just, right. There's no perfect justice uh, anywhere. So no person, no government system, no political party is actually going to solve it. But Jesus will when he comes.
1: So then when we move on to verse 5, we're still talking about uh, Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. It says, The Lord says, Who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people in it, and spirit to those who walk on it. Uh, I'm the Lord. I've called you for a righteous pur- uh, purpose, and I will hold you by your hand. Uh, is that the third time he's mentioned hand Uh
0: I believe so. Previously, he's talking about holding right Israel's hand or or his people's mm-hmm. uh, hand. Uh, this time, right? he's right? He's still talking to uh, his servant, right? Uh, the Messiah, the Christ but that he's right, he's he's sustaining Christ in his uh, ministry here on earth.
1: That's right, I'm sure. Um, if you go to a certain kind of church, they probably have a special name for God that translates to, you know, the God who holds hands, you know, uh, Jehovah Manos or something. That's Spanish <laughs> for hand, which is how I came up with it. but uh, I-
0: Interesting. I'm not, yeah, that's a... A mix of Hebrew and, and Spanish. Hebrish. Uh, but yeah, because he says, right, the Lord says, I will give you as a covenant for the people. Right. The new covenant. Is Jesus. Right. This servant is the new covenant that we have. Um, it's found in him. And. Yeah, Christ's mission is to establish this new covenant and right, is a light for the nation. So, Gentiles too are going to be included in this new covenant. And yeah, verses like verses seven, um, talks about right, salvation. Uh, to those who are lost in their sin, right? These are people that are blind. They're prisoners from the dungeon. There's no hope of them getting out, right? They're sitting in darkness. Um, But then we have verse eight. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other. So first off, if you think about, right, the Lord, this is Yahweh, right? Which means I am who I am. Right. Basically saying I'm eternal. I'm outside of everything. And this is just, again, showing you I will fulfill this promise because I am the eternal one. I'm outside of everything and controlling everything. I can trust him to keep this promise about the Messiah. But notice he also says, right, I, my glory I give to no other. Right, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. So, right, the Lord doesn't share His glory with any created thing. But we know from, uh, you know, from from other areas in, I, in Isaiah and stuff that the Lord does give His glory to Jesus or to the servant. So we can so we can conclude here from this verse that Jesus is also God.
1: Ah, I see. Yes.
0: Uh, should I go ahead and throw another trendy alert in? Uh,
1: I think you should. Okay. In fact, let's just let's just keep them going through the rest of the, <laughs> the rest of the chapter. All right. Uh, There's a few more. Well, uh, so Matt Redman has a song called "I'm Coming Back to the Heart of Worship," which, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, you know, every, yeah, every everyone ought to know it. Um, but, uh, in his version, there's a, a bridge at the end that like repeats the phrase, you know, you will not share your glory with another. And I don't know why, uh, you know, no, I was not aware any other, yeah. yeah, you gotta, gotta go back to the, you know, the original cut. Um, and I That's don't know why anybody would take version. it out. Cause it's, cause it's fantastic, um, that him giving his glory to others, uh, he's not going to do it. You know this is that's the phrase you know he's a jealous god um, and so the one you know for uh, the uh, Jesus is Lord whether we want it or not, but we uh we also have the option of living like he's not um and that's you know the the real sin is for us to disagree with God about who he is uh for us to look at uh lesser things as if they can satisfy and uh he's he's not going to let us give the glory that he deserves to someone else mm-hmm. he's he's going to uh break those idols he's going to show them as uh empty and he's going to point it back to uh himself mm-hmm. yeah. thankfully good for us
0: good yes yeah. Then in verse nine, um, right, behold, the former things have come to pass and new things I now declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them. So, again, this is right. This is the promise of a new heaven, a new earth, um, the the second coming of Christ, the culmination of, of God's kingdom on earth. And right again, the Lord is saying, look, it's as far as I see it, you know it's already happened, um, and I'm now declaring it to you that it's going to happen as further proof that I am the Lord, right? The, he he does this a lot in these two chapters, as you're saying. A lot of I'm going to tell you what's going to happen as as proof to show
1: that I am the Lord, right? And then um, I wanted to bring up uh, for my notes first uh, corinthians fourteen one uh which says uh, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy uh so for us we probably think that's you know mysterious and ooky um but in reality uh the Lord does uh announce things before they happen um, and it would seem uh that whether or not it actually happens uh it's something we're supposed to desire mm-hmm
0: So now we have, right, the, uh, the song, the new song. Uh, it says, sing to the Lord a new song. This, so this is, right, a, a song that the people who are saved by the new covenant, right, they're, they're singing the Lord's praises. And, yeah, it's a new song because this is the new covenant found in the Messiah, when the Messiah redeems and, and, and saves uh, the chosen, I see like in verse, kind of verses 10 through 11, there's talk about, right, the coastlands and their inhabitants, so distant lands. You've got the desert, which the Kedar inhabits, uh, the villages. So these are like the nomads. And you have uh, Selah, which is like a city. You have a mountain. So just all kinds of, you know, geography to the God of Israel uh, in light of, this new covenant of, of salvation through, uh, through Christ.
1: Right. Leading into 13, the Lord advances like a warrior. He mm-hmm. stirs up his zeal like a soldier. He shouts, he roars aloud and he prevails over his enemies.
0: Right. That's, this is why God is to be praised.
1: That's right. Uh, I'd love to hear a worship song like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Just we hear It's yeah. He, right. The, so he stirs up his zeal the jealousy for his glory, the welfare of his people. Um, and, yeah, he, he shows himself mighty against his foes, which, right, the ultimate foe, sin, death, uh, evil itself, he is going to overcome
1: and and uh, get rid of these things once and for all. That's right. So uh, 14 through 17, he uh, gets back on the uh, subject, I guess you could say, of uh, condemning idol worship. And he, he talks about how long he's been quiet, how long he has restrained himself mm-hmm. uh, from uh, giving this sort of outburst. And the Lord says, but now I'll grow like a woman in labor, gasping breathlessly. Um, he says going to uh, lay waste uh, mountains and hills, dry up all their vegetation and turn rivers into ashes and dry up marshes. So all those uh, positive things he said he was going to make out of the negatives Now he's saying the opposite. He says uh, anything good they've got, it's gone. Uh, It is going to turn to ash in their mouths. And he says, I'll lead the blind by a way they did not know. I'll guide them on paths they have not known. I'll turn darkness into light in front of them, rough places into level ground. Again, he just keeps changing things. Uh, No matter what it was before, he's going to turn it into the opposite. And this is what I'll do for them. I will not abandon them. And they will turn back and be utterly ashamed. Uh, Those who trust in an idol and say to a cast image, you are our gods. So he says um, he's going to take care of them. He's going to destroy uh, everything they expect, uh, but he's going to take care of them so that uh, because of his kindness they will repent of loving these fake gods. Right. I think,
0: yeah, this is, right, further uh, furthering, I think you know, this uh, a declaration of his salvation and his kingdom, right? Because salvation for God's people also means destruction for idolaters. You can't have one without the other. Um, and yeah, I think about like verse 14, right? For a long time I've held my peace. I've kept I've kept still and remained myself. But you can see already he does not – the Lord – even though he is patient and kind, right, not wanting anyone to perish, he's, he's being very patient. At the same time, he's not enjoying s- standing by and letting evil do its thing, right? He's not comfortable with it. Um, and then it says, now I will cry out like a woman in labor, right? You said moan. My, my, my uh, translation, the ESV says, cry out like a woman in labor, And I think about like when a woman is giving birth and just that, that this like primordial scream, you know, that comes out. uh, And like that's that the Lord is describing his passion and emotion here as that. That is how the Lord feels about injustice in the world and how he's going to, when he finally comes forward that's that's the amount of um i guess em, yeah emotion and, that he's going to uh come forward with um but yeah you see yeah as you said right the, the waste the the mountains and hills dry up all the vegetation right there's just this uh complete change metamorphosis in in nature as, as he's describing what he's going to do, change everything, right? The great people he's going to humble, the, the humble who seek the Lord are going to be raised up. And um, yeah, and I think verse 16, these are the things I do and I do not forsake them. So first off, right, nothing is going to upset God's plan to redeem us, Right nothing's going to get in that way, but also just how it's so easy. Right. I mean, I, I understand that Christ on the cross is, is beyond any sort of suffering that we can possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. At the same time, this description of, of the Lord's salvation, right? This, and again, he's, he's talked about how he's laying waste and leveling mountains and hills and turning all the rivers into islands and drying up the pools and turning darkness into light and all these things. And the Lord goes, yeah, these are the things I do. And uh, I'm going to get them done. Like he's just like, it's like the Lord is so uh, just matter of fact about it. Like it's not a hard thing for him. But now we have right. Verse 18 now, the Lord, you know, uh, through Isaiah, is now turning to Israel and is kind of giving them a call for repentance, right? In, in light of everything now that's been declared uh, in these chapters.
1: Right. Do you noticed how
0: it's... Oh, go ahead.
1: Well, we're looking at another callback to uh, when Isaiah is originally called, and he talks about the deaf and the blind. Um, and how he's supposed to be giving them a testimony until uh, the deaf uh, hear and the blind see. And mm-hmm. so uh, and that's what we've achieved here in verse 18. Right. Well, if you know, yeah,
0: like if you notice it says, hear you deaf and look you blind that you may see. I mean, again, if you think about it, they are being commanded to do stuff that they are not physically capable of doing. Right. These people are so lost. I mean, they're deaf, so they can't hear. They Uh can't look because they're blind. I mean, that the Lord is right. This this is this showing again that we were dead in our trespasses. We were dead and God performed these mighty works. Right. He's the one that saves then in verse 19, right? Who is blind but my servant? So in this case, right now he's talking about Israel. Israel was the servant that was supposed to be the light and, and to show all nations, you know, who God is. And Israel fails, right, at their job uh, as, as servant. So, right, we can look at this and, and, and really contrast the servant Israel with the servant Jesus. Like in verse 20, he sees many things, but does not observe them. His ears are open, but he doesn't hear. Right. These are people who don't internalize or dwell on the truth. Right. These are people including, right. We we can think of people today and, and I'm guilty of this too. Uh, I'll, I'll sit in church and hear a sermon or I'll do my quiet time, read the Bible and go, oh, that was good. But then I don't continue from there by actually internalizing it or at least, or even dwelling on it, thinking about it, going over what the word of God has just told me I need to do or, or change about myself or, or whatever, And, of course, that leads to verse 21, the Lord was pleased for his righteousness sake to magnify his law and make it glorious, meaning that the Lord is going to put his law into force against Israel, judgment against Israel for my sake, right, for the Lord's sake, Uh, because Israel is not following the laws, And then if you look at verse 22, right, it seems to be a description of Babylonian exile. But at the same time, right, it's got to be more than that, right? This, this talk of like being trapped in holes and hidden in prisons, right? There's this captivity with no hope of escape. These are people who, again, are, are, are lost without hope. And, and, and dead in, in their sin.
1: That's right. He, he compares them to plunder. Like all the things that, uh, because of Hezekiah, uh, were carried away uh, from the temple. Uh, that's a picture of what, what these people are like, what they're feeling. They've got no one to rescue them. Uh, and they're, they're just uh, things that have been carried away uh, in order to show someone else's power. Mm-hmm.
0: And then verse 23, who among you will give ear to this, will attend and listen for the time to come? It's like Isaiah is pleading with the people to hear the message of, of salvation that's coming in Christ. It's like, will you listen now? You know, he's, he's just pleading with these people. And he goes, right? It's, and it's like I said, it's a recall or it's a call to repentance. Uh, Verse 24, who gave up Jacob to the looter and Israel to the plunderers? Right. A lot of people would have thought, well, Babylon did it. And it's like, no. Uh, Was it not the Lord against whom we have sinned? So this is a declaration that we deserve everything we get. Right. The punishment for not fearing the Lord if we are not in christ our punishment of hell is just and we deserve it um and, but even if we're you know if we're in christ and we struggle with sin and the lord rebukes us or, or disciplines us to in order to sanctify us we deserve that uh suffering as well i think of like um An RC Sproul sermon, he was talking about hell. And he goes, uh, You know, there's going to be two kinds of people in hell. There's the people who are weeping, and these are the people who are uh, just so sad and distraught and are crying out for mercy from the Lord. And then you have the people who are the gnashing of teeth, the people who are like, How dare you, God, for putting me in this place? You know, just filled with anger. And, you know, Sproul goes, you know, if I deceived myself over all these years and I find myself in hell, uh, you can bet that I will be one of the weepers because I know I'm getting what I deserve. But right. This is the explanation of the exile for for Israel. That the servant Israel did not obey, was not a servant, and so Israel gets humiliated, and and it doesn't even understand its punishment, as opposed to the servant Jesus, who obeys fully.
1: Right, yeah, as a a parent, uh, George, I'm sure you, like me, have been in that situation where a kid literally has no idea They've done, and nothing you can do to explain it, may uh, understand. Um, well, in this case, you know the Lord disciplines those He loves, and that's what we're seeing here. This, uh, this plunder, this uh, bring, bringing all this judgment, uh, is just a picture of His love. When we're not willing to walk in God's ways, it's His instruction. Uh, he can't leave us there, it, um, it wouldn't be loving. He is going to uh, strengthen us, hold our hand, and cause us to stand. Uh, which in some cases means uh, he's going to allow us to go through uh, suffering.
0: Mm-hmm. Good, all right, Matt. That, uh, that is the end of chapter 42. So we'll uh, talk about some application here. Um I would say the main application, first and foremost, if you have, you know, or if you are not uh, saved and, and you're not in Christ, then, you know, I encourage you to 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 flee to him. Christ is the perfect servant who fulfilled God's law perfectly and then suffered. We'll, we'll see in later chapters in Isaiah, we'll talk about the suffering servant, but... Uh, Right, he died on our behalf so that he would absorb our sin, our unrighteousness, pay the penalty for that, and then impute his righteousness to us. And you know, and the Lord has declared, right, these are the things that I do, and and I do not forsake them. He is going to keep his promises, so flee to God. The, if you want to flee the judgment, then go before the judge and and ask for his mercy. Um, ask for his grace. He has shown that he is faithful and and will save you. Um, and right the and then for us who are in Christ, uh, I would say we need to just marvel at these verses. And and right. Confess our sin and and reflect on our need for a savior. Right? We need to. We need these chapters should humble us that we can't do anything uh, apart from Him.
1: Absolutely. What about you, Scotty? Well, uh, I think it would be too obvious to say that we need to uh, turn away from our idols, uh, but I think it would be more helpful application wise to ask what our idols are, you know, and if we look at the things uh, these chapters say we're supposed to find from our idols, you know, we're supposed to find courage from them. We're supposed to find uh, we're supposed to look to them for uh, fulfillment and for goodness, Uh, meaning we would define good and evil by, uh, by what the, what we believe the idol says more or less. Uh, maybe even how it makes us feel, uh, but I think uh, I found a good test of idolatry is if you had a button, and pushing this button would make Jesus return right now, right? Um, then would you push that button? Because faith would, say, you know, we want Jesus so badly, um, we would we would love for him to come here right now, uh, and then. Uh, But naturally you say no, because you've got some, you've got some goals you want to achieve. You've got some things you want to do before you invite Jesus uh, uh, to uh, reign uh, in a, in a, in that sense. Mm -hmm. And so whatever it is that makes you hesitate and say, you know what, maybe let's put the Lord off another decade. Let's put them off a few more years, a few more days, a few more hours, you know, uh, whatever that is, that's, that's where the idol is, mm. um, because it's something you literally love more than Jesus. Mm. Uh, because when I put myself in in that, uh, in that thought experiment, and I say, would I rather see Jesus face to face, or have... Uh, <laughs> uh this that you know uh there's just no good answer. There's no thing that you can think of that you would say, well, that's actually good enough. That that's actually a very good answer. Uh because even if you think about um the salvation of a loved one and you would say, well surely that's a good reason. Uh and obviously the Lord agrees because that's why um he's that's why he is uh putting off the return of Christ right now is because he wants Uh, people like our hearers to uh, come to faith in Christ. Um, But we know that that's also in the Lord's hands and giving, giving someone more time isn't necessarily going to uh, cause the desired effect for us. So we still ought to be praying with uh, the believers in revelation saying, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. Uh, And when we don't say come quickly, when we say come uh, about 20 years uh, then we got to think what is it we think we're going to miss out on because none of it's worth it and whatever sprung to mind uh, just now is, is the thing that we need to confess and repent of
0: mm, that's good yeah I've got my own uh, test here as well for idolatry well it's not mine it's uh, Tim Keller's from his book Counterfeit Gods but I'm going to save that test uh for chapter 44 we'll do a later podcast with that one i can't wait awesome yeah so yeah next week which is next week chapters 43 and uh 44 so that will be uh what we'll look at uh next week with i'm pretty sure we have a guest if we're not maybe i'll try and get one but uh, but yeah, that'll that's that will uh, conclude this evening. So I'm George Cagle, joined by Scotty Jinks for Redeemer Radical Reflections from Reading Rightly, or of course you can always just call us the Five R's.
1: Uh, thanks again.